Welcome to Beyond the Code, the podcast where industry experts and brilliant legal minds discuss the impact of new emerging technologies. I'm your host, Yitzi Hammer, a lawyer and tech enthusiast. Join us as we explore the legal, regulatory, and ethical issues surrounding AI, blockchain, and more. Get ready to go beyond the code and stay ahead of the game. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Code. This is our 12th episode, and I'm truly grateful to have the one and only Hillel Fold on today. Welcome, Hillel. Thank you, sir. I think for most people who are listening to this, you need no introduction. But for anybody who's been living under a rock, if you could just take one minute to try and introduce yourself. I know you have like many, many, many accolades. So I'll let you try and go at it yourself. Just a simple dude who loves tech and uh, works with some really cool tech companies, uh, writes a lot on tech, does a lot of video on tech, just I guess just a tech guy, uh, marketing, content, all of it. I think you were the first person who was like famous for being famous. Like you were making a lot of noise on the internet before people were making noise on the internet about things that people didn't really know about. And you were the guy to hear it from. Okay, I'll take and it. And you've been pretty consistent in your content um, over time. You're generally very, very positive. And you're generally like one one step ahead of the game. You've advocated strongly for tech generally, but Israeli tech in particular and Israeli entrepreneurs. And I think uh, your voice is a very important one in the tech sphere. Thank you. In, in our podcast, we try and focus on some of the scarier parts of tech, um, Black Mirror-esque, if you will. And generally, like new emerging technologies are where we're not really clear on where they're going, what they're gonna, what kind of impact they're going to have in the world. And as somebody who's heavily invested time and energies in tech generally and everything related to tech, I'm curious to get your perspectives on where you think tech is going, what your thoughts are on some of the new tech that's developing, AI, self-driving cars, anything that's like big and scary. I mean, I know that generative AI is like the first one that people could relate to. AI is nothing new, but when you put something in ChatGPT and you see a robot talking back to you, it freaks people out. So there's a lot of benefits for sure, but there's also a lot of scary aspects. I'd be really interested to hear your perspective. Uh, my perspective is that we need to open up history books. Like in, like in most things in the world, we need to look uh, back historically at what happens. And the answer is that every single time there's a new technology, literally we freak out, right? I mean, we freaked out when the tractor was invented because farmers are going to lose their jobs, right? We freaked out when print was invented. We freaked out when the internet was invented. We freaked out when the mobile phone was invented. So this is what we do, right? We get scared of something new. Uh, we feel like it's going to ruin things, you know, take our jobs, whatever. Uh, when in reality, you know, in the short term, it, it presents, let's call it a new paradigm. But in the long term, everyone, uh, you know, benefits from it. So, you know, I think just like the internet, just like all the technologies we use, it could be used for good and it could be abused for bad. Um, I, I, I Maybe this is a little bit controversial, I'm about to say, but um, if all you're doing as a professional can be easily replaced by a computer, perhaps you deserve to be replaced by a computer. Uh, you know, if you're sitting and clicking on buttons to, uh, you know, put things in Excel sheets all day long, then maybe you're not using, you know, your your brain that you were given to its maximum abilities. And so I think long term, all the technologies you mentioned uh, can be abused, will be abused. I just read an article this morning, a horrible article where I don't remember what city, but there was, uh, you know, some some small town that was, you know, basically in shock because somebody took AI and made uh, inappropriate pictures of girls in the town, meaning they took regular pictures from social media and used some AI to basically 
you know, take off their clothing, which is terrifying, which is horrible. Uh, but from that to, oh, you know, generative AI is terrifying and self-driving cars are terrifying. I think in the long term, they're going to be uh, um, positive, you know, net positive on our society. Uh, but we do need to be aware of the dangers and of the risks. Um, but, uh, I'm, you know, listen, I'm not, you know, in case it wasn't clear, I'm not too scared. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think definitely anything can and will be manipulated for bad. The question is how we take it and channel it to do as much good as possible. And yet, I'm sure there are things that are being developed that you're that you're scared of. Even Elon Musk, who's you know a tremendous advocate for AI and technical advancements, has was you know one of the first ones to come out and say, "Okay, there's some scary stuff here as well, and we need to have our our finger on the pulse." Like, what what would you what would you outline as like the scarier elements and the things that you really need to be careful of? Not 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 their applications, but but the the tech itself. I, I'll answer the question. What I think most people are scared of. How about that? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm very, very extreme in my, in my, uh, opinions on this, on this matter. Um, you know, take for example, um, you know, Elon's company where he's going to implant chips in our brain, right? It's like, Oh my God, implant chips in our brain. First of all, no one's forcing you that you don't have to do it if you don't want to. That's number one. Number two, I, again, full disclaimer, I'm, I'm, I'm very much aware that what I'm about to say is like, what the hell's wrong with you? Uh, because I have this debate with like my family and friends all the time, but like, you know, let's put it, let's start with the question, is education a means or an end, right? If, if education is a means to an end, then in my opinion, education as it stands in the traditional kind of classroom with a whiteboard is completely irrelevant. I don't think you need to study anything to be successful professionally, unless of course you're a doctor or a lawyer, but you know, listen, I mean, I have a degree in political science, right? So to me, education is an end, right? You're going to college to go to college. You're going to college to round off your education, to, you know, become a more intelligent human being, to train your brain to think more intelligently, not because I need to go to college in order to accomplish something. So if me, if, if education is an end and not a means to an end, then doesn't it, you know, make sense that if I can get to that end, you know, quicker, instead of taking a horse and a buggy, I'm driving in a Lamborghini, I just logic dictates that I'll take that Lamborghini. And so if I can, you know, implant something in my brain uh, without obviously without, you know, medical complications or any, you know, side effects that will affect my life, in, you know, in a negative way, and I can put something in my brain that will just make me smarter. I, I don't really understand why I wouldn't do that. I mean, it's to me, it's the equivalent of saying, don't use Siri, don't use the internet, like, oh, go to a library, go to an encyclopedia study. Like, to me, it's like, why? I mean, if I could use the internet, why do that? Right? So if I could get something implanted in my brain that will make me, you know, smarter with no side effects and no downsides, I don't understand why I wouldn't do that. But that, for example, is something that scares a lot of people, not me. A hundred percent. I gave a lecture to academics two weeks ago. And before I got up on the stage to talk to them about how they could use it for academic research, there was a student who got up and talked about, you know, the, the, uh, the student's approach to using generative AI. And he was like, doesn't matter what you do, we're going to be able to use these things to our benefit, to cheat, quote unquote. You know, he, he was saying how his entire degree was, you know, relatively hard. The last semester, uh, ChatGPT and others came out and he just like rocked the whole thing. And when he when he got off the stage, they were all freaking out. How are we going to stop them? How are we going to how are we going to catch them out on their cheating? And I'm like, you don't need to. Like if they could use these things to to ace their test, then they're not they don't need whatever it is that you're giving them on these tests. Like they'll be able to go to their jobs tomorrow and they use these and nobody's going to be trying to catch them out or say that they're cheating. They're going to be able to make their, their work more efficient. So you need to think how you can make your work more efficient. You need to think how you can prepare their them better for 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 real 
real life by teaching them how to use these tools, these AI tools, and what to be scared of, etc. So I, I definitely think that there's a lot that could be done in in, this, in in our perspective of how things are changing. You know what what, what you're going to need and what you're not going to need. Right. No, there's that fu- there's that funny meme on Facebook where it's like uh, my my math teacher told me throughout elementary school that I need to learn how to do math because I'm not going to have a calculator in my pocket at all times. Right. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, in the beginning of the internet, the beginning of the mobile phone, beginning of this, you know, it's like, oh, you can't bring your phone to school. We need to fight it. Oh, there's this new technology. It's the worst thing ever. Let's fight it. You can't fight it. Like, stop it. Embrace the technology. You're the one, as the teachers or at the academics, you're the one that needs to, you know, adapt. It's not the technology that needs to adapt. You need to adapt. You need to get with the program because this is the reality. And you could keep fighting the reality, but you're not going to win that war. Right, but I want to I want to focus on one thing that you said before, where where you said no one is forcing you, right? I think a good example is like Sam Altman's WorldCoin, where he's scanning people's irises and you know offering all various benefits like uh, you know airdrop tokens or whatever. And you could say the same thing there: no one's forcing you, right? This is a real world thing. It's not Elon Musk's future esque um, uh, impl- uh, implants in your brain. This is something you can go now, get your irises scanned, and then give you know companies this uh, this data. Yes, no one is forcing you today, but when ninety percent of the world, or you know, a significant percentage is going in that direction, you're gonna feel that you're left out, and you're gonna, in in order to be able to get the full. Uh, benefit of what society is offering you, you're going to have to go ahead, scan your irises. It's kind of like social media like or WhatsApp. Like You could say, I want to have a, a kosher phone and I don't want to have access to the internet. But then at the end of the day, you're missing out on like 90% of what society is offering you. So you're going to have to you're going to be forced in the end of the day. And that's, I think, where technology takes us. Like at the beginning, you could be like, no, this is too scary for me. But once enough people are onboarded, it becomes like the norm. And either you catch up to everybody else or you fall way, way, way behind. You're irrelevant for, you know, a lot of jobs in the market and you can't, you don't know what's going on at your kids' schools. And, you know, 100%. So in a sense, you're being forced. I mean, I don't know if forced is the right word, but I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, you know, like, you know, look at the people. Listen, you remember this. I remember this. It wasn't that long ago when we all said, like, why would I want a phone where people can, you know, find me all the – why would I want to be on social media? Why would I want to share that information? Okay, we all said it. Well, not me, but a lot of people said it. Like, okay, this is what we do. Again, like, people will fight back on on these things and say, you know, I don't want whatever it is, any of the tools that we're developing. They'll say it, and they'll continue to say it until they realize they do want it because it will enhance their lives. And then there will be people, like you said, the kosher phone, for example – uh, that won't jump on board and they will be left behind and that's fine. They can lead, lead a lifestyle they want to lead and that's fine. They don't need to be, you know, uh, on board or, or on top of all the things that are happening. But if you want, if you want to be part of the 21st century and you want to uh, gain the, the benefits of all these technologies, again, you know, forget AI, like you said, self-driving cars, like people don't realize this, right? So, you know, what, what we have today is one level of autonomy, right? So, you know, my car, Tesla's, they, you know, they have this sort of kind of autonomous situation, but I, I had the chance to to uh, to drive or to ride in the next generation autonomy. Uh, I, I met our Amnon Chashu at his house and drove or rode in the car that was fully autonomous. And I mean, we drove from Mavaseret where he lives to Jerusalem. Let's say a half hour, 40 minute drive, 9 a.m. with traffic, you know, rush hour, merging into traffic, stopping, you know, uh, accelerating, literally did not touch a thing. I sat there and I was like, holy mother of God, I am in the future. Right, there is nothing bad about that. You know what's you know what's going to happen if when that happens, not if when that happens, uh, car crashes will be cut in you know I don't not a quarter a, a millionth Magnitude. of what it is today. Right yeah. now, all of these car crashes and these people dying on flies is ninety percent human error. 
human right? stupidity. Right. Yeah. So that's going to be gone from the world. How could you say that's a bad thing? And some of the people say, oh, but, but autonomous cars are, are killing people. Dude, autonomous cars, like there have been, there have been situations, one in a million. That's why they make the news. Every day there are thousands of people dying on the roads. Like, come on. It's just numbers. And so, you know, autonomous cars is a perfect example. People are going to be terrified. Oh my God, there's no driver. Yeah, there's no driver who's going to be drunk and run someone over. And it's true. It comes with, you know, it comes with, uh, um, let's call it, uh, you know, philosophical, um, let's call it not conflicts. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, dilemmas, right? In other words, if I, if, you know, if I'm a, a driver, a human driver, and I have to swerve and on my right is a cat and on my left is an old lady, well, obviously I'm going to swerve right if I have to, right? A car and a computer, well, you know, they don't know what to do, at least in the beginning. They can be trained to do that, right? But there, it does come with dilemmas. At the end of the day, like I said, it's net positive in my opinion. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So are, are there any companies that you're advising now that you would say are like leading the forefront of this type of tech? Yeah, I mean, you know, without naming names, because I or not necessarily advising, I, just that, that you have that you you know paid yeah. attention to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, there's there's the whole let's call it um, immersive reality world, VR, MR, or VR, AR, MR. So virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality. Uh, VR, as everyone knows, is you put this thing on your head and you're in another world. Uh, AR is you wear glasses or whatever it is, and you see the world with another reality augmented on top of it. To me, the most exciting thing and the one that gets the least uh, press, let's call it, is mixed reality. Um, the leader in that kind of space uh, is Magic Leap. Um, and it's it's mind-bending. There's no other way to describe it. I mean, I'm literally interacting with virtual characters. Like, how does that well, work? What's, what's mixed reality? Like, how is that different than augmented reality? Because you, cannot, you can no longer differentiate between what's real and what's not real. So I went into a room. They put this uh, Magic Leap glasses on me. And, and they said, all right, go over to that table and lay down dominoes. And I put dominoes on the table. And they said, all right, you knock over the dominoes. And I knocked down, I knocked down the dominoes. And then they said, take off your glasses. And I take off my glasses. And there's no table. It's like, what the heck just happened? It's, it's, it's really crazy. It's really, really crazy. Now, like any technology, we don't know yet what the, op the main application is going to be, whether it's, you know, surgery or healthcare or other things, we don't know. But as a technology, uh, mixed reality to me is incredibly exciting. That's kind of one thing. The second thing that I would say uh, also doesn't get enough uh, press is dr drone technology, right? We know everyone has drones, it's cute, whatever, but we don't realize, people, at least I don't think most people realize what a drone is. A drone is literally a supercomputer that fits in the palm of your hand that has 19 GPS satellites connected to it from space at any given moment with obstacle avoidance, uh, you know, sensors in its, in all four directions, able to fly 50 miles an hour, according 4k or even higher. This is crazy technology. Like, yeah. So right now it's being used for like, um, you know, fun purposes, recreational and, and some, you know, military, but it's going to change our, it's going to change our world. I mean, even, you know, an Israeli company, Flytrex is the leading, uh, drone delivery service in the United States. It's an unbelievable company. But the point is, drones are going to penetrate our life in a major, major way. And I'm very excited about that because I'm a big drony. Uh, and the other thing that I think is really, really exciting, and this is, this is, it's mind boggling. This hasn't happened yet. Do you understand how primitive it is that in 2023, we're still using a mouse? Like, do you, do we even think about this? Like, why are we it's not? True. It's crazy. But you know what? Forget the mouse. We talk about our, our mobile phones as if they're like, oh, these supercomputers in your pockets. Do you understand that our kids and grandkids are going to laugh at us that we walked around the street with a slab of glass in our face swiping on a screen? Like you, Why? We don't, what's the future of that? It's, it's going to be, you know, what format? Saying, what's glasses, the next evolution from like phones? Yeah, it's going to and be. That's what scares me, by the way. Right. It's going to be more 
intuitive, more human behavior, call it whatever you want, but we're not going to be walking on the street with a slab of glass on our face, swiping on a screen. It's just, it's just objectively primitive behavior, whether it's glasses, whether it's something else. I mean, you know, obviously Google Glass pioneered it many, many years ago. It was garbage because of the field of view and because of the battery. But, you know, we know that Apple, you know, they released okay, their new yeah. thing. But App, Yeah. So what do you think of Apple's? I mean, I haven't tried it yet, but that's also not, that's not what I'm referring to. I'm not, that's not, no one's walking around with that thing on their head, right? That's more for entertainment purposes. There is no question in the next five years, someone, whether it's Apple, Google, someone else is going to release a product that will sit on our face, look completely normal and will not, you know, draw attention to it. That will be our computer. No question whatsoever. And, I, and you know, I've tried many of them. Again, these things are not ready for, let's call it mainstream usage. So I'm not going to walk around with a whole lens on my head, obviously, or a, you know, a quest, but you know, if you try these things, they're unbelievable. You, instead of, you know, tapping on a screen or swiping or clicking on a mouse, you're just making a gesture in the air, right? It's, it's really, I mean, even, you know, it's funny. Like I made fun of the, the new Apple Watch announcement that it's a double click. They pioneered the double click. It's like, really? But, but you're doing it in the air. You're, you're tapping your fingers together in the air. I mean, it is pretty unbelievable. And so in the near future, we're going to stop using these ridiculous, ridiculous tools. And here's a prediction for you that some of your listeners might think is crazy, but I say within the, within, the, within the next five, yeah, within the next five max seven eight years, the iPhone department in Apple will be shut down. Wow, <laughs> that's what I think. I think it's going to be replaced by something, and not only will it be shut down, but we'll we'll be in our lifetime. We will look back at the mobile phone and we will actually laugh like we laugh today at dial-up. Remember dial-up? At the time, we were like, oh, you know, the dial-up internet. Yeah, yeah. We were like, oh, my God, I can connect to the internet. So cool, so cool, so cool. Or ADSL. We were like, oh, my God, fast internet. Like, now we look back, we're like, oh, my God, we were so primitive, right? That is yeah. the way we're going to look back at, at, at mobile phones and, on, and at our mouse and all these things in the next five to seven years, in my opinion. Wow. Okay. That's, you've given me a lot of food for how's, thought How's there. that for the title of the podcast? <laughs> the iPhone department to be shut down. <laughs> um. So I, I, I think you know that I'm also very active in the crypto space. So Hillel, tell me, what is your stance on crypto? I don't have, I don't have, a, I don't have a stance because I'm not, I'm not an expert on it. I'm not, uh, I'm not, I mean, listen, obviously it's, it's, I'm, I'm oversimplifying when I make the following statement, but I think I personally have a, uh, have a challenge, a problem, valuing something that has no real value. In other words, Again, we can get into this debate, but like well, that, the do- that's everything, right? I was just gonna anything say. has value that you attribute to it, same as well, the dollar or the shekel. Right, so I was going to say the dollar, right? The social do- equity. To me, to me, a currency as it stands today is also the biggest scam in the world. But like you know, this webcam that I'm on or this microphone has intrinsic value; it's utility. Um, now, crypto is a lot more of utility than it was a couple of years ago. But even today, like let's say I own X blockchain, I mean X uh, crypto, X uh, Bitcoin. Great. Now what? Like, oh, yeah, keep it in your wallet. Why? What, what am I doing with it? Like, okay, so some platforms now enable you to buy things. And I'm not like, I'm not like 100% no crypto is going to die. That's not what I'm saying. But like, until there's some utility, until there's some, and even, by the way, even the dollar, right? The dollar, you're right. It is the biggest scam in the world, but at least it's widely, like globally accepted as real value. So you're right. Supply, demand, I get it. But crypto's not. Crypto's still this thing that's niche and there's no real utility for it. So I have a problem getting behind that. Okay, I could relate to that. I mean, I don't, but I could relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> Hypothetically, yeah. All right. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna airdrop you some tokens after this, and then uh, we'll see where they go in a few years. I just, I wanted to talk for one second about Ari. Hill's brother Ari was a tremendous individual. He was an educator and just a, a wonderful human being. And he on September sixteenth, twenty eighteen, while waiting outside of a shopping mall. 
Ari was stabbed in the back by a 17-year-old Palestinian terrorist. I, I, I don't know if you know, Ari and I, were, we spent two years together um, teaching in Ativaye, and uh, he was like, really a larger-than-life person in every sense. Like, he, he made a lot of noise, and he was he you know had a, a ton of personality. He was really, like, somebody who, who lived what he believed in, right? He was constantly talking about um, Eretz Yisrael, and he was a Zionist Adasov, right? Uh, he's coined the, the line of Zion. He, he really, really, really really was. So uh, number one, I just want to give you, you and your family my condolences. Like, I know he's, he's, he was an incredible, incredible person. And I think there's so much that we could all uh, continue to learn from him and his legacy that he left. So um, if, with that, Gamal Khatima Tova and Ashana Tova to you and your family and to all of Amisle. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Hillel. I really appreciate this. Just for for the audience, if um, if anybody has never heard of you, what's the best way for them to follow you? I mean, go to hillfold.com or you know any any of the social platforms. Like Hillsfold. Yeah, the, <laughs> LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, LinkedIn, Twitter. Where are you uh, most apps. active these days? It's a good question. Um, I mean, if you look just like let's say the number of tweets or number of posts, I would imagine Twitter. Um, but you know, most engagements LinkedIn and maybe then Facebook and then Twitter. I don't know. I never really quantified it, but I'd say I think LinkedIn have the most followers, um, and then Twitter. So or X. Is, is the vlog X. still active? Yeah, X, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent still active. Yeah, there's YouTube. What, what are your, there's a lot of them. <laughs> what are your thoughts on like Twitter post acquisition, post uh, rebranding? I mean. You know, I go, shoot, there's like, I change my mind every day. Is he a lunatic? Is he a genius? I don't know. He's, maybe he's both. But uh, listen, he's Elon Musk. There's no question that he has, I think, some method to his madness. Some of the things he did are just ridiculous, like straight up ridiculous. Some of the things he did, I think, are good. Uh, on a personal level, it's it's very anecdotal. I can't really give you scientific data, but it feels very much to me that I'm getting exponentially more anti-Semitism since he bought the company. But again, there are so many variables. The so many variables here. I can't say, you know, if I took the same, let's call it same tweet then and now, I would get more now. But it happens to be that I'm getting a lot more now. It could be that it's related to my posts. I don't know. But but it's it's a pretty sick place over there. I mean, I'm getting some seriously sick replies to my tweets. Yeah, I, I feel the same. I, I I would also agree with you that like, He's his lunacy um, has some kind of methodology to it. I, if uh, if you haven't yet, I recommend Walter Isaacson's new biography on Elon Musk. It's phenomenal. I'm listening to it um, on, on Audible. You know, somebody who has so many technologies that are so closely related to our lives. I find like I really want to understand what makes this guy work. And Walter Isaacson is like a you know number one biographer. So highly highly recommend. And I guess it's like a fun experiment, you know, I'm, I'm not loving the new Twitter, but it's definitely like, it's fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, I, for me, Twitter, you know, it's basically built my whole career. I mean, amazing things that happened to me on Twitter over the years. So it's kind of sad to see what's going on over there, but I do hope and I somewhat somewhere deep down believe that he knows what he's doing. I really just hope he does. I mean, forget, we're not gonna get too much into it, but like forget everything else that he did. Literally just forget everything. There's just, just to give you one example, right? Twitter.com. Mm-hmm would never have taken off without developers, right? Without TweetDeck, without TweetBot, without all these apps that were built on top of the Twitter social graph that gave people access to Twitter.com from their phone, from whatever, instead of using Twitter.com, which was always a pile of garbage. And to shut down that developer ecosystem, it's like, dude, they made Twitter. And like all these developers are now super pissed, rightfully so. And forget developers. Mm-hmm. I used TweetBot for years. And I built my, again, built my whole career on Twitter because of TweetBot. And TweetBot's just one example. Just shut it down one day. It's just craziness. That's absolute craziness. And, you know, I understand why he did it because he wants to monetize Twitter.com and he wants, you know, the ad revenue to come to him. But 
that's in my opinion, that's short-sighted. That's kind of playing the short game. Uh, and I, and I think that that really hurt the brand a lot just to name one example, but who knows, who knows what he hasn't planned. Yeah. I, I saw you tweeted that you got, um, like your first payout from Twitter. Yeah. What, that's like cool. what, how did that feel? It's cool, cool, right? Yeah. I mean, so I, you know, I was told, uh, that you have to have a certain minimum number of impressions to even get monetization, kind of that option on Twitter. And I was kind of excited that I did get it. Um, I mean, yeah, listen, it's not big money by any means, but you know, a couple hundred bucks, not bad. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think if you write more hate content, then you'll probably get more money. <laughs> which, which by the way, it's an interesting, it's an interesting point because if you think about it, that's, that's literally everything that is wrong with media today. Right. In other words, you know, I, I wrote about this on Arab Yom Kippur, like nuance doesn't sell gray doesn't sell black and white cells, right? They're either a villain or a hero. That's what sells. And so it's, you know, you're saying it as a joke, but if I write, more post, you know, more pro-Israel things, I'm going to get more hate and then I'll get more revenue. I'll get more ad revenue. It's, it's great. It's, it's the whole system is designed in a fundamentally broken way. The old Twitter also worked that way. It fed off of conflict. Yeah. I mean, like the algorithm zeroed in wherever there was conflict, but I think the new one um, incentivizes it more, maybe because of the monetary aspect um, or maybe just because that's what people are looking for. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hope for a better future, a, uh, a more positive future. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Code. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe, share with your friends, and to tune in again next week for more fun and insightful conversations.